privilege this morning to start us on a series um, called Uncertain Questions About Christianity. And I believe this is a very important series that we're doing. Let me just drift back in time. In the, the mid-70s, I started university. Going to university after high school was a big culture shock because in high school everything was disciplined and controlled. I grew up in the local church and so I was used to being with people who thought pretty much like I did and when we talked about things, everybody, just about everybody had similar ideas about things. So in the 70s when you went to university, you actually went to university you got on buses and trains and you were there all the time. You didn't have online or um, remote learning or anything like that. Um, and there was a tremendous sense of freedom, except it was a place where everybody loved to argue and discuss and debate what you believed and why you believed it and was it true. And so my experience as a Christian going to university was one which could go one of two ways. One would be to be fearful because people were going to start to ask me about what I believed and why I believed it. But it was also a tremendous opportunity. I like to say to people that when I went to university, there was a sense in which I had inherited my family's faith, my church's faith. But when you go through the mill of talking and sharing with others and, 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 and discussing, that faith became my faith because I knew what I believed. And so today as we start this series, Uncertain, um, Questions About Christianity, I don't want you to be fearful. I want you to engage in it because there's nothing to be afraid of because sometimes we think, well, you know, we just all believe the same. But there are many people within our community who would love to have discussions with us about our faith. And so maybe as we do this series, we will actually be both equipped and maybe even wrestle with some questions that are in the back of our own mind about what we believe. As Dave said, as a church, we are doing a, a series called Towards Belief. And there are many different ways in which um, we can do that. And on the website, you will see that there'll be a Thursday night session here, our home groups. You can do it at home individually. But I'm going to encourage many of you to actually not only see this sermon series, but the Towards Belief material as a way for us as a church family as a whole to focus and concentrate on. Let me give you a little bit of a sample of this series. The, the sorts of questions that we will be addressing in this series of sermons are like these. Can I trust the Bible? Has science disproved the Bible? Why did Jesus have to die? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? And my topic today is how, um, sorry, how, sorry, another topic is how can a loving God allow suffering? And my topic today is what about other religions? So the purpose of this series is for us to understand God's word in the light of such questions. And so I trust that as we enter in today on our topic and that you take up the opportunities that Towards Belief offers, that we will grow in the owning of our, of our faith in God. When I got the topic, what about other religions, I thought to myself, it's even a bit of a trick title. What about other religions? I thought back 
and it probably is an issue of its time, but my mum used to tell me that when she was little and she had a little brother, so we're talking about the 30s or 40s, a long time ago, she said her brother would come up to her and ask her this question, sudden death or hospital? And what she said was that her brother was wanting to punch her on the arm and so he said to her, do you want sudden death or hospital? Now that's a trick question, isn't it? Because it sounds as though you've got to choose one or the other when in fact, if I was my mother, I would have said, I don't want either of those, thank you very much. And when we ask the question about what about other religions, it almost backs us into a corner where we think that Christianity is just one of many religions. But as we come to the Bible, we see that the Bible never thought of Christianity as just being one of many religions. Sure, there are many people who have turned Christianity into religion, but when we come to the Bible, we see that the Bible talks not about religion, but relationship. The Bible is about God wanting to have a relationship with us. And when we read the account of Jesus' life, we see that he was often in conflict with religion in the um, Jewish system in which he grew up and which he ministered, um, the Pharisees had managed to take God's relationship with the Israelites and turn it into a religion. And Jesus often saved his strongest comments to the Pharisees about how their religion was actually turning people away from understanding a relationship with God. So as we come to this today, I want us to think about Christianity not as another religion, but why is it unique? One of the questions that I had as I thought about this is, what is a religion? And so as most of us do in the 21st century, I asked my friend Dr. Google and um, said this, I thought it was very interesting. It said, religion is a fundamental set of beliefs and practices generally agreed upon by a group of people. These sets of beliefs concern the cause, nature and purpose of the universe and involve devotional ritual observances. They also contain a moral code governing the conduct of human affairs. And so even in that definition, did you see where it said that religion is a set of beliefs and practices agreed upon by a group of people? You see, in a sense, religion is man-made beliefs that man hopes will somehow or other make their future right, make their future bright. Whether that be in some sort of eternal existence and whether it involves um, God or gods um, and or no God as in the 21st century where many of the religions of today actually see man as being the centre of everything. You know, things like materialism, things like atheism, things like communism. Um, there are many types of religions, but many of these religions are man's attempt to reach out into the unknown and to hope in some way that they will attain um, or, or gain some sense of fulfilment and purpose. You shouldn't be surprised that man has a tendency to want to have a religion. 
you shouldn't be surprised, I guess, that people who, even as they read the Bible, um, have a tendency to want to take a relationship with God and turn it into a set of rules and beliefs. There was a notable French mathematician, physicist, um, philosopher, writer, theologian, whose name was Blaise Pascal. And he said this. He said, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator and made known through Jesus Christ. So religion is the way that people try to fill the God-shaped vacuum in their life. But the reality is that no man-made religion will achieve that. That vacuum can only be filled with a relationship through Jesus with God. So is Christianity a religion? Well, biblical Christianity I don't think is a religion. It's really about God wanting to have a relationship with those, the people who he has created. And it's not about a system of beliefs, but rather a relationship with God primarily, that God is reaching out to us. And when we read the Bible, we see that Christianity um, actually does claim that it's not one of many, but it's unique and it's individual. Um, Jesus said this in John 14, verses 6 and 7, when he said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him because you have seen me. So when we talk about other religions, what we want to look at today is that we live in a world which is full of, of many religions, secular religions and religious groups, some that want to worship many gods, some that want to worship a god but have many rules and regulations. And I think the question really is about how do we who know Christ as our Heavenly Father, how do we relate in a world full of many religions? So here's what I plan to do. I want us to go to Acts chapter 17. Um, starting at verse 16, we're just going to work through the text and as we work through the text, let's reflect on it in terms of how does God want us to react in a world with many religions? This account that we read talks about the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Paul, we find him in a place called Athens. Now, Athens in Paul's time was sort of like the religious supermarket of the world. It was the place that had so many temples and so many idols and so many religious beliefs. And in fact, the people who lived there used to like nothing better than get together around the corner in various places and discuss what they believed and what other people believed. Paul was on a journey and he didn't even intend to go and minister in Athens. If you read the verses before, you'll find that he was actually in Athens waiting for some of his colleagues to come so that they could go somewhere else. But you know what it's like. If you are in a place that has all of these buildings and temples and whatever, I guess there's probably a little bit of a, the tourist in all of us. And I expect that Paul thought, well, while I'm here, I might as well have a wander around and see what this town's all about. Many people came from all over the known world to come and to see it. 
And what we find is that Paul is confronted with the place of the Christian faith and how does it relate into a world with many religions. As I read the first few verses, I'm actually going to ask, suggest you do something a little bit different. You know how we always say you can read in your Bible or you can read on the screen. You're welcome to do that if you don't trust me to read what's there. But I want you to close your eyes if you game and just try and think of the actual situation that Paul finds himself in in Athens. Just try and picture, try and put yourself into his shoes. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace, day by day, with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? And others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting in the Arapagus where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Here's Paul In one sense, he's probably happy to be in his own quiet space. But as he realises the town around him and this religious supermarket, so to speak, he becomes distressed and his heart aches because he really wants those people to hear the good news, the truth about the one true God who loves them and wants to be their God. And so it says he becomes distressed And being distressed, he therefore decides that he needs to engage with the people. He goes to the synagogues. That's where the Jewish people, and Paul was a Jew um, before he became a follower of Christ. He went there and he spoke to them in their synagogues. But it says he actually went out into the marketplace to share the good news about Jesus. And as he shared, it started to capture people's attention. Um, They wanted to hear more. They wanted to debate. They wanted to um, talk about what's this idea that you're bringing? What's this faith in a person called Jesus? And so the Arabicus, or however you say it, Arabicus, um, that was the place where they would come and they would debate. And so he got a platform in the main debating centre to share about this faith that he was talking about. And so I think for us, as we think about our relationship with other faiths, then I think Paul's experience, as he shares there, is something that gives us a few key points that we can also take on board. The first thing is, Paul isn't deciding to fight everybody else's ideas. In fact, he is looking to start where the people are at. Paul then, this is verse 22, then stood up in the meeting of the Arabicus and said, People of Athens, 
I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. It's very interesting. Paul doesn't start out by trying to say that everybody else is wrong. Rather, he is trying to connect with them because he knows, like Pascal knows, that their sense of religion is trying to fill that God-shaped vacuum that God places in every man, woman and child's life. The fact that they follow other religions doesn't make them bad or evil people. But Paul wants to have the opportunity to show them so that they can understand more about the true God. Paul is recognising that they are seeking after something. And so when he talks about the um, inscription to the unknown God, he's saying, even in your culture, you know that there is more to God, more to the eternal realities of life than what your religion um, can explain or understand. And so as we read the passage, we see that he is looking for a key so that he can communicate and that people can hear. What about us as we live in what is clearly a multi-faith, um, very pluralistic type of world that we live in, where many people have many systems of belief? Well, I think the same thing applies to us, that we shouldn't be frightened of other religions um, we certainly shouldn't be hostile to people who are pursuing other faiths. In fact, what we should be trying to do is to engage people relationally and conversationally and to look for those keys, those places where we can actually start to dialogue, where they can then start to be open to seeking after God. Sometimes we think as Christians that we need to talk at people Sometimes we have to be prepared to engage in conversation so that we have earned the right to speak into people's lives and listen to what they say to us as well. Well, the account goes on and, and Paul wants to show them the difference between man-made religion and the relationship that God wants. And so in verse 24, he goes on to explain this. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. So once Paul opened the door to conversation, he is able to show that God is uniquely different from all the other gods that were worshipped in that place. They were products of man's imagination, but the true God is the creator and Lord over all. When we share with people of other faiths, we actually need to move past the man-made religion and help people to have a journey seeking the reality of the person of God. And then he shares good news in verse 27 because he tells them that not only does God exist, but God actually wants a relationship with them. It's not about them trying to reach God because God is reaching down to them. 
And so he says this, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far away from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets said, we are his offsprings. Often religions provide rules and regulations and there is no security in a religion because we're never sure whether we actually make the grade or not. But Paul explains that God is near to every one of us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants us to become not just people who are trying to get God's attention, but he wants us to become his children. He wants us to become part of his family. And in John's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 12, we read this, Yet to all who receive him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. So the good news as we deal with people from, or, or share with people from other faiths is this, that God doesn't only love us, but he wants us to be in relationship with him and he reaches out to us and wants us to reach to him. Paul continues to go on and says that God actually calls for repentance. That is a change of heart and a change of mind towards him. Just reading the passage again. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof to this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Paul actually explains that at the moment, the current point in time is a time of opportunity. God has come through Jesus Christ. His offer is available to all, but there needs to be a response from individuals to accept God's offer. And this offer will not last indefinitely. God is in control. We are not in control. Um, the early church, um, I think, probably complained to Peter about the fact that sometimes going in this world is pretty tough. There are all sorts of issues. And even in the 21st century, we face all sorts of issues and problems in the world that we live in. And Peter explains back in 2 Peter 3, 9, that God is not slow in winding up this earth. He says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And so this opportunity to come to God is not an indefinite opportunity, but it's an opportunity that needs to be taken now. And then as he finishes up, we have the recognition that as we share and as he shared with people who had other religious beliefs, some of them will understand and respond to God's offer and some will not. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, this is verse 32, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At, the, at that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Arapagus, also a woman called um, Damaris and a number of others. You see, religion enslaves. Relationship with God sets us free. But it's an individual opportunity for us to reach out and accept the love that God so freely offers so that it becomes part of our life. 
And God allows people to choose to follow him and God allows to people to choose not to follow him. Our job isn't to make people become Christians. You know, in history and even in some religions, um, some people have the idea that you make people convert to your religion by force. Um, you know, you make a rule and if you don't agree with it, and you could probably think of places in the world where that is. The gospel has never been a forced religion. Sorry, a forced belief, a forced relationship. Sure, some Christian people have tried to make it in their religion, but God wants us to respond freely. And so our, our, our thing is not to convert people, but to be like Paul and share the news so that people can know. So as I finish up, I just want us to think about this. What about other religions? How should we respond to people from other religions? Just a couple of thoughts. First one is this, how not to respond. We shouldn't respond by being frightened and trying to retreat into our own little pocket where we won't ever come across people with different ideas, different faiths and different beliefs. Neither should we become arrogant talk down and belittle the religious beliefs of others. In our passage, we don't see Paul attacking the beliefs of the Athenians. He's really looking for an opportunity to engage in dialogue so that they might too discover the true God. And here are four starting points for interacting with people from other religions. First one is this, treat with respect people who hold different religious beliefs. Second one, look for a connection point between their story and your Christian faith. Share about your relationship with Christ, not just information about practices and beliefs. And allow people the dignity and the responsibility of making their own decision about if they will follow Christ. Let me just finish with a little story. Um, this story is a story I've can't remember how long ago I heard it, but it sort of went along like this. There was a lady, um, a Christian lady, who unfortunately married a gentleman, maybe not gentleman, married a man who was extremely controlling, domineering, and was wanting to control everything she did. He was so domineering that he sat down and wrote pages of rules and regulations and jobs that she had to do and he expected that she would do all of those things. Now, in her time, she thought, I'm a Christian, I'm married, I'm going to see this through and so it happened that she tried her very hardest to keep all the rules and regulations that her husband designed. I don't know whether it was circumstance or an act of God, but the husband died. And this same lady, she met a lovely Christian man and she married him and they had a wonderful relationship. And one day, many years later, she was going through some papers and she found the rules and regulations that her first husband had said, these are all the things you have to do. And it struck her that as she read the rules and regulations, she thought, you know, for my second husband, I do all of those things for him, not because I have to, but because I love him. And that story just reminded me that sometimes if we think about religion, it's like that first husband. 
where we are enslaved to all the rules and regulations. And that's not what God had in mind. But the second husband reminds me of, of God wanting to have a relationship with us which is based on love. And we serve God not because we have to but because we love him and the overflow of that in our life. So God wants us to take away, as we consider this and as we study it in our groups and as we think about it this week, God wants us to know that all people are the object of his love. And for those who have a relationship with God, we need to be sharing the good news that God loves every person and wants them in his family. When we think about other religions, we shouldn't be frightened we should realise that their followers are also on a search looking for meaning and purpose in life and the hope of future. As God's family, we should seek to follow Paul's example and seek to lead people past a preoccupation with religion and introduce them to personal relationship with God. And just one last little thing that caught my fancy. I have a, an old CD that I play in my car sometimes from a, a music group, again, from my youth, so you probably never heard of them. They're called The Family. Um, and The Family used to sing this song, and one of the lines was he used to say, I don't want to be religious, I just want to serve the Lord. What about other religions? Other religions are people's attempts to reach God. Christianity is unique and different because it's about relationship with him. We as a people, we actually don't want to be religious. We just want to serve the Lord. Let's pray as the team comes back to play. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, you know the situation and circumstance we find ourselves in. Father, for some of us, um, we can remember growing up in a, in a fairly Christian community, but Father, you have sent many people to our country with many different religions and beliefs. There are many people, Lord, who don't follow a God, but they, Father, want to follow their own ideas and their own um, beliefs about life. Father, you want us to be your light. You want us to engage with the good news of Jesus that's what you want us to think about other religions, an opportunity for the reality of your life in us to share with others that they may follow you. So Lord, bless us as we do that. In Jesus' name, amen.